This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And we are back with another episode of the Interns Podcast here on dogman.com i'm jack mccauley alongside luke munger the two of us just getting back from a little trip in la the coliseum we weren't together but we did meet up at the husky tailgate along with many others luke i guess before we recap the game a little bit how was your overall i know we talked about it but how was your overall experience in in la and the coliseum yeah you know i thought the coliseum itself was very cool there's a certain level of admiration and maybe jealousy, petty hate towards USC naturally for just the brand that they are and getting and to pure location, pure location. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And getting to experience a game there, it, it truly did feel like a, like a college football elite experience, you know, just being in the Coliseum in Los Angeles, fantastic weather in November. Uh, yeah. So all that's, that's honestly, was that, that's the craziest part is like knowing this last weekend, I'm in shorts and a polo. Yeah. Just care in the world. And then this weekend, I'm about to like button up with five layers, you know, get ready to go into the wind tunnel of Husky Stadium. Yeah. No, to your point, that was, I mean, just fantastic to get to experience a setting like that. Um, And then the Coliseum itself, Husky fans showed very well. Um, It was weird to see some sections of the stadium tarped off. And then that, which was open, um, not even being full. I believe it was an announced sellout, but. it, it, I think, I mean, no disrespect to the fans of USC, but I mean, if you were to compare that to the Oregon Washington game this year, or even the Arizona state game this year at home where the Husky fans needed to show up and kind of rally behind their defense noise wise, doesn't really, didn't really compare to Husky stadium, but it was still very, very cool. Yeah. It kind of felt like a library in there at point, honestly, like, I feel like it was just, it was just such a big because the Coliseum just spreads so wide, like it's you so said, there's big. Like tarped off, and so I feel like the noise just kind of yeah, flails out. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it just kind of evaporates. Yeah. Like there, it's a big stadium. It's bigger than, or even when it's full capacity, like even with the blocked off parts, it's still bigger than Husky Stadium is by a couple thousand at least. Yeah, uh, it's like a 78 k. And, and there are still a ton of people there, but it just didn't like, you're just like, whoa. But when I will say when Washington scored, like I felt like I heard it a little bit more almost than. For sure. And Husky fans traveled very, very well, which was awesome. Jack and I were talking about, and I don't, I'm sure a lot of people on the Dogman boards were at the game, but it was very cool to be leaving my seats in the Coliseum and hear people barking in the concourse and. Like go Husky's chance throughout the concourse yeah. was really cool. Very, very cool. So uh, it was a special experience. My first time in the Coliseum. Same for you. Yeah, same for me yeah. as well. And it's a, it's like a bucket list place, you know. Totally. It's a, like you said, the bucket list place. Obviously, yeah. like getting to the game a little bit now, definitely one of those games you needed to have as a program after having two 
I'd say like obviously a win's a win, but you know, nevertheless, they were a little bit disappointing. You know, I'm sure in the locker room they felt like a little bit of disappointment, you know, needed to get a game where they got right, especially where you're gearing up for a really tough November. You had to play well. You played well against USC on the road. Now you come back against a tough, tough physical Utah team, pretty much the exact opposite of USC. Um, but just great things all around, especially on offense. You know, defense sure they gave up 42 points, but I will say something that I didn't even realize until the end of the game. They only gave up two touchdowns in the second half. Yeah. Against an offense like that's great, very impressive. Very, very impressive. I think one thing we talked about as being key for this game that I think the Huskies did a very good job of, in particular in the second half, also is first of all, I mean, like you said, the Husky offense was incredible. They punted once. There was the interception and then the field goal. And I believe that was it in terms of drives that didn't result in points except for finishing the game at the end. But they also possessed the ball for a while. And a lot of it was uh, USC seemed pretty content to let Washington – well, Washington didn't throw the ball that much to begin with. But when they did, wasn't a lot open downfield. Michael Penix – I mean, I don't know. He made some good intermediate throws. And then he had the one long one to Jalen Polk. Uh, But in terms of – big 50, 60 yard explosive plays through the air wasn't really there. Um, Instead, Washington was able to just pound the rock, kept the ball for a really long time. And I think that also, I mean, they came up with one absolutely essential stop in the second half on defense, which then forced USC into a kind of a desperation situation when they couldn't move the sticks. Then on fourth down, simply results in the second stop of the half for the dogs. But uh, I guess all that to say, I think the Husky defense was opportunistic they rose to the occasion. And we also talked a little bit about this before we started recording, having seen Caleb Williams live, I think my appreciation for how good of a player he is increased, <laughs> like having watched him. Uh, he, it's a really, it's a really pretty darn good offense that the Huskies played and uh, to hold them to 14 in the second half, I think is a win. Yeah. The Caleb Williams was absolutely nuts. You know, some his, we were talking about a little bit, his ability to create just, get get like get positive yards for that matter too when it looks like it's going to be a loss a sack whatnot is absolutely incredible like say what you want about his personality and you know some of the things that have came up but gosh man his his ability and what he does on the football field is insane and there's a reason why i feel like in that game really showcase especially they're being there live like being live watching football is a lot different than on tv just seeing little things think you feel you feel energy in the sack when, or you feel energy in the stadium when there's about going to be a sack happen or a bad throw or nobody's open and his ability to just, For oh sure. my gosh, it is nuts. Um, absolutely, yeah, totally. He's also absolutely. I mean, I I knew that he was big, but in person he is absolutely prodigious, like just gigantic. And it was crazy. There's one play in particular I can't even remember who made the attempt at tackling him, and he only ended up gaining two yards. But he's scrambling to the edge. Zion actually did a great job of keeping in front of him and forcing him to the sideline. And a DB came up and flew to try to hit Caleb Williams and just bounced off of Caleb Williams. Yeah, yeah. It's like, like, he's, he's not like the tallest guy, but it's it's kind of a weirder build where he's just like wide, but he's so filled out. Yes. Move so well. He's kind of like a almost like a skinny tank. Like you, I don't, it just almost feels like he's an armored truck or something, you know. For sure. But. Yeah, anyway, getting to Utah now, obviously Washington, great win. But, you know, Utah comes into town, a top 15 team in the country, a team that plays extremely physical, obviously have had a couple letdown moments this year, particularly their losses, of course, which are two, only two against Oregon State and 
uh, home against Oregon. Uh, but this is still a team that's coached by arguably the best coach in the entire conference. You know, obviously Caleb DeBoer, Dan Lanning have something to say to that this year, but Kyle Whittingham has been there forever and he's done mm-hmm. amazing things with this team. Very so, physical defensively, obviously is where things start out for them. You know, they really pride themselves on taking control of the line of scrimmage and on, and especially in recent years, you know, they've gotten a lot better on their back end. Luke, I guess, you know, how do you see Washington faring against the defense? You, you know, almost like an actual defense uh, yeah. this week instead of, instead of USC, you know? Yeah, no, it'll be interesting. I mean, I think Washington had a good, good or get right game against USC. I think one thing that'll be very interesting. And I, one thing that I actually was encouraged by USC for not being a fantastic defense does have a very good pass rush. They're the second graded pass rush in the PAC 12 by PFF. Um, and they have a couple of really talented edges and Michael Penix did get sacked once against USC, but the other 29 times he dropped back, it, it did feel as if he had all day. Um, so I think that that bodes well. I think that is one place where USC or Utah will really, uh, I don't know, give Washington a hard time is mm-hmm. on the edges. I think it'll be really fun to watch some of these guys take on the Roger Rosengartens and Troy Fautanus of the world. I think that that'll be a good matchup. So that is one thing I'm keeping an eye on. And then I think it'll be also very interesting to see after running the ball for 200 or for over 300 yards, Dylan Johnson having 256 on the ground and then going in place or facing a Utah team that's giving up just around 80 yards per game on the ground. How much momentum and swag can Washington carry into that? while also knowing that it won't be as easy. I don't think I really answered the question super directly there, but I think that Washington will have a lot of belief and conviction behind themselves or behind their offense heading home. But I I think it will be a much significant, much more significant test than USC was. I I, I mean, I think if Washington can get to the high thirties, that's a win. I don't know. What do you think, Jack? Yeah, I I agree too. I think it's not going to be nearly the fireworks we saw in LA. Um, but this defense, man, they are absolutely they 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 play very physical up front, especially you know, kind of as we said, you know, their front seven is absolutely ridiculous, and you know, they just they churn guys. They are so good at churning guys out and developing them to hard nosed physical players. And I think the biggest difference between last game too is just the ability to run the ball. I think Washington's gonna have a tougher time this week against a Utah team that has done very well. You know, obviously Dylan Johnson had that monster game, but like let's not forget that's only a second. Yeah, uh, ever over a hundred yards, you know, sure. Bucky Irving did a lot of damage to them, but in, you know, all respect, Dylan Johnson, isn't Bucky Irving. And I think, I think where they're going to be able to beat this team is on the, on the perimeter, you know, those quick passes, you know, like you said, great pass rush from Utah, their ability to hold the line of scrimmage as well. So those quick passes, you know, being able to gain those chunk yards and be really yeah. consistent is going to be important. And then also when the big plays are there, you have to hit them against this Utah team. Just kind of to call out some names in particular on the defensive side for Utah to keep an eye on. Jonah Ellis is um, just a ridiculous pass rusher. Is it 11 and a half sacks on the season, Jack, for Jonah Ellis? Uh, Let's see. I I, I just had this on the other tab and lost it. Uh, But it is, yes, it's 11 and a half. And then another name to keep an eye on is actually a Stanford transfer who plays inside linebacker, Lavani Damuni. He's been really solid inside as well. And I think when you think of US or when you think of Utah, you think of a, a physical front seven. And those are the guys who jump out to me. 
on that side for sure. Yeah, and safety Sione Vaki is uh, absolutely mm-hmm. nuts too. DeBoer got called out about him at his press conference today, and he's just like, those guys just basically don't grow on trees. You know, they're so good, and you know, we have to t- we need to play against them. You know, you have to do a lot of things to make sure they're not on the same side of the field as you're targeting. So back in the back seven, that's just a, I think that is one of the more important names to call out because I think he's someone mm-hmm. they can use in a variety of different ways, whether it's rushing the passer. I kind of almost look at him. It's kind of a weird comparison, but I kind of see a kind of picture him as a Jamal Adams type player as a safety. You know, he's seven and a half tackles for a loss, so he could play mm-hmm. really up close to the line of scrimmage. Um, he's pretty good in coverage, but he's a very sure tackler. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic tackler, like you said. And then this Utah defense, I think one other thing, I mean, give a lot of credit to the three yards of carry. They're giving up 81.2 per game on the ground. They're only giving 200 passing yards up per game, holding opponents to 55% pass completion percentage. They also uh, are pretty dominant in the turnover battle. They are up nine for the season on that. That's another thing I think that stands out is just their ability to get the ball back. Washington took a step in the right direction. There was obviously the tipped interception. Give credit where it's due, though. Fantastic play by USC there. But Washington will have to be careful with the football. Yeah, they certainly will. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com Okay, picture this it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road With available H-Track all wheel drive and three row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild Conquer the weekend in the all new Hyundai Santa Fe Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Um, now kind of turning it over to the offensive side for Utah. You know, certainly they've had their struggles this year. Of course, the most obvious one being just not able to stay healthy at quarterback. Cam Rising, one of the pac best coming into the season, been out all year with, you can name any leg injury he, you want. He he suffered it from this last season. ACL, MCL, you know, what, what, ligament damage, just all of it, which is very unfortunate. Um, for him so he'll be out for the remainder of the season um, and, and in his place they, they've had a, they've, they've gone through a couple of different guys in different games but Bryson Barnes has been the gentleman who's really kind of taken over the role um, he has 146 pass attempts a good for a 58 completion rating um, and eight touchdowns on the season and five interceptions so safe to say they haven't thrown the ball as much, you know, they've really relied on kind of like same sort of thing as their defense. They relied on that run game and that offensive line to really, you know, stand firm. And like a lot of teams Washington's played this year, you could see them faring well with a team like like Utah, not only because, you know, they have, they, they're not as great throwing the ball. You know, I think Washington's biggest weaknesses come within the secondary, kind of like last year, you know, Elijah Jackson's had a lot of trouble, really showed last week. But when they played a team where they haven't had, you know, as great of quarterback play, they've really been able to step up and take care of the run. I Michigan State comes to mind. Cal comes to mind with Jaden Ott. 
Boise State as well, you know, you can kind of go back to a number of different teams. Yet when there's a little bit more explosion on the outsides, maybe a dynamic running back with a dynamic wide receiver, they've had a little bit of tougher time there. Like Arizona State, even Arizona State, they did great with Cam Scadabo. And so, yeah, I really think Washington can fare well against this offense. You know, a couple names to know, you know, uh, Jaquindon Jackson, I think, is where yeah. things start out. Just big physical running back. Yeah, Jaquindon Jackson, big physical running back, like you said. Averaging 5.3 yards per pop, he certainly is someone to keep an eye on. I think to your point, uh, with Bryson Barnes and the Utah passing game not really being as reliable as it, things were under Cam Rising, they're averaging less than 160 yards through the air and also completing less than 60% of their passes. I think Washington can really key in. I think another thing that will help Washington this weekend against the run is Chuck Morrell talked a little bit about it in his presser today. Uh, Tuli Latuli Ernasanoa was limited against USC, but he also said it's not really Tuli's game to chase Caleb Williams around in the pocket. Not having a guy like Caleb Williams back there, you can have Tuli, I think, play significantly more and just focus on being a space eater, which I think will bode well for Washington on Saturday. I think Washington will have their hands full in having to stop to Quinton Jackson, but I also think that they have, I guess, kind of the people in place and I guess Bryson Barnes not being as dependable as maybe, I, I don't know, who are some of the quarterbacks that have given Washington a hard time this year? Bo Nix, Caleb Williams will allow them to kind of key in on that element. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I think when you have a quarterback, you know, it, it, it was a theme of last year too, you know, not being able to really contain those rushing mobile quarterbacks, you know, really open things up for these other teams. You know, when, you, when you're when you able to expand, you know, from sideline to sideline, USC or Utah just doesn't do that as much. They're so much more downhill than, you know, and, and it's been so true for, you know, quite some time now. There's such a downhill team physical up front. I think this is where Washington can – can really, you know, really bring back the defense that struggled in you know, the last two games, especially. So I think I, I completely agree with you. I think Tuli Latuli Nasano is going to play a big part in the game. I think there's a number of other people as well. On the outside, though, Money Parks is probably their, um, I would say, their most notable receiver, the guy they go to third and long, especially, even getting him in space for some wide receiver screens. He's also a very dangerous deep threat as well, so you can't lose him, that's for sure. Certainly. And then Devon Vele is another guy. He's a 6'5 receiver, very different body type than Money Parks, uh, but another guy that they will get the ball to as well. But yeah, I mean, another interesting thing, though, about this USC, I guess, uh, receiving core, and I think a lot of it is limited by what is available to them throwing the ball. But they, uh, Vele is the only receiver that's averaging 40 yards per game through the air. Of their three leading receivers, no one's averaging 12 or more yards per reception. So this isn't an offense that traditionally gets very vertical. I think it'll be interesting to see if they try to take a few more shots the way that ASU, uh, Stanford, USC actually, I didn't really feel like did as much, try to get super vertical against Washington. But teams have tried to kind of expose that. And I don't know that, I mean, those are all talented receiver options, but I, I just don't know that they have the, the I guess, what am I trying to say? The moxie throwing the ball to to dominate Washington or really expose some of the weaknesses yeah. in Washington secondary that maybe have been seen over the past few weeks. Yeah, I think you, you pair that, you know, with Bryson Barnes, just not being, you know, as 
nothing against him. He's just not like a top end quarterback. That's just this kind of the fact of it. He's not able to beat you too much with his arm or anything like that. So I think you kind of pair those two two together where, you know, you don't have the receiving threats that are going to get you a ton of space. And, you know, they're naturally going to already force your quarterback to make a couple throws. I think that goes well for Washington. Um, for sure. And again, like you said, I mean, Bryson Barnes, and he is coming off of a game where he did throw four touchdowns against ASU. So I will say credit where it's due there. But if you take away the USC game, he's thrown for 150 or he's thrown for 160 yards or more just once this season. So um, he's been effective, right? Like when he's been asked to, I, I think he's good enough to keep the sticks moving. And if Utah's running the ball well, I think that'll take a lot of pressure off his shoulders and will allow him to operate the offense well. But I don't think, well, I mean, Washington just saw a, maybe the best quarterback in the country at making things happen individually. If Washington can force Utah in a situation where they're going to have to move the ball downfield through the air, I don't know that Bryson, or I, I, yeah, I just don't know that they would answer the call the same way as some of the other quarterbacks that they faced with. Yeah. I certainly agree. And I kind of, with that, you know, we'll get to our confidence intervals here. Luke, Utes coming into town, 13th team in the country. Where do you feel? How do you feel about this team? You know, I think Utah is still going to be a very physical test for Washington, but I, I think Washington has some swagger right now. I feel that coming back home as well gives Washington a boost. I'm to the point of the season, though, where I have a hard cap on my confidence interval. <laughs> so I think I'm going with six and a half. I, I'm slightly more confident than I was about Washington going to the Coliseum, but not a ton more. I mean, I think US, I think Utah is a physical enough team that they can force Washington out of rhythm. And if they come out and pop Washington in the mouth early, that things could get a little ugly. Weather won't be fantastic or weather won't be fantastic on Saturday. So I'll, I'll keep it at six and a half. Yeah, I'm with you too. I think I'm going with the six and a half as well. Um, it's I hate to be I hate to do it. I but saw you I react when I said it. <laughs> huh? I saw I you react. Yeah, I I just think that man, you know, it's a team that plays physical. I think the weather, you know, you hope it's not going to be too rainy for Penix's sake. You know, it's always a little bit harder to throw the ball when it's wet. Um, and then just them being a physical, physical, extremely well coached team. I think that you know, I think that puts me in a six and a half. But, you know, being at home, you know, with it's going to be a really loud crowd, obviously, with everything that's gone on this season, you expect it to be. So I'm going to say six and a half as well. Getting to the bet to Barks now. You want to start defense or offense? Uh, well, I started last time, so you can choose where to start and it's your turn. All right, we'll start. We'll start on the we'll start on the offensive side of the ball. I'm going to go. I gosh, it's just a weird it's just, it's a weird team to pick against because. You, you know, you, you're off of Dylan Johnson off of the game, wide receivers, obviously. But I'm just going to – I'm going to – it's going to be a tough game, I think, with the weather. You know, there's a great team as well. I'm going to go with Romo Dunze. I don't have him to see quite the play he made against Oregon, but I see him making a couple big plays that really keep drives going, maybe a touchdown or so, where he can – he shows why he's an All-American caliber receiver. Certainly. Um, he won't – my bet to bark, he might not have the same production as he did last week, but I'm going to go with Dylan Johnson again. I think Washington has turned the corner running the ball. Um, I think Utah obviously is good against the run, but Washington will have to step up in that category uh, if they are going to be playing in a wet game. Um, additionally, not that they've done a ton of this, and when they do throw screens, it's typically, I feel like, to receivers or tight ends, but I'd be interested with how good the – 
USC or I guess, excuse me, the Utah pass rushes, if they'll try to maybe pop them with like kind of a slip screen or something like that and uh, make them kind of second guess or hesitate the next time they try to bring pressure. So Dylan Johnson is mine on the offensive side of the ball. Going to the defensive side of the ball, I am going to go ahead and select, gosh, I'm torn between two, but I think I'm going to go with Dominique Hampton. I like that. As a guy who can just come, like knows that he has a license to just come flying downhill um, on Saturday. (laughs) And I'm excited to see that happen. Yeah, he... There were actually, there's actually, I don't know if you caught it, if you watched the highlights, but he had one monster hit on Barlow, the running back for you, mm-hmm. US. Someone missed a tackle, one linebacker missed a tackle. I think Carson Bruner and Dom Hampton came up and just rocked him out of his shoes. <laughs> yeah. No, first, like on a first down, USC had, he got the first down bear by a couple yards, but then Hampton just like, whoa. Now yours on defense, sir. Yeah. Yeah, so for mine defensively, you, you know, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a little bit of a curveball here. Probably an unexpected name, but he made a couple big plays against the Trojans, and I think he does against the Utes. He might not see the playing time that a guy like Thule sees or um, MJ Ali, but I'm gonna go with Voy Tanufi. I'm gonna go with Voy Tanufi. I think that. Washington, especially if Washington gets them in some third and long situations, you know, he's for sure going to be seen as the defensive tackle in like a third and nine, third and 10. Cause he did move back. If you didn't see from edge to defensive tackle. Yeah. And so they're going to use him, I think in some sets. And I think he makes a couple big plays. Um, I'm not saying he's going to be like a steady consistent factor, but I think he makes a couple plays that really stand out like the USC one. All right. Now we get to picking the pack. I believe yeah, last week we, we, did we split last week or no one of us one of us picked someone else right yes last week gosh what was it we need to be better at tracking this um but last week we both picked Utah obviously we both picked Oregon obviously we both picked yeah, oh pretty I terrible. picked WSU you picked Stanford that's right I picked the Cardinal. So that means we're all nodded back up. We're even going into the last week of the season. Or, the, or no, three weeks left. Wow. Already. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're nodded back up even again. Um, so this week we will start off. Where do you want to start, Luke? Where, what's a good game to start? Well, I want to start with that. If we were listening to the Cover 3 podcast right now, they'd play Bud Elliott's Sicko Mode Drop. I want to take you down to Cal Memorial Field or Cal Memorial Stadium, excuse me, where uh, the Golden Bears are one-point favorite at homes over the Cougs. Who's confident picking that one? (laughs) I'll tell you what. I don't think anybody breathing on earth right now is confident (laughs) picking that one. Um, There, I (laughs) Two teams that are just – they're struggling to get their bus tickets, Luke. They just don't have anything going for them. They can't get moving at all. Uh, But, gosh, I think with that said, Washington State's had such a – They've been so bad on the defensive line lately at stopping the run. And I think Jaden Ott and former AAU team of mine, Isaiah Fonze, have themselves <laughs> a night. Have themselves a night. And I, I'm going to go with Cal. I think WSU, I mean, both teams, I guess, hypothetically have bowl chances still alive, though the Cougs are closer. I think the Cougs, this is a real line in the sand type game. You know, I think the Cougs bounce back, they get their first dub, pull it back even to 500, and then 
Unfortunately, that's the only non-Utah-Washington game in the Pac-12 that is within that the spread is within single digits, I guess. So we'll go to the next closest one. This is a noon kick in Boulder. We've got a surging, ranked Arizona Wildcats taking on Colorado. Yeah, I think Arizona's momentum is just too much right now, and I think that propels them through Colorado. Tough to play there with the altitude, and then obviously, like, Dion's Dion, but um, yeah, I, th- I think their momentum is just too much right now. Absolutely. I think Arizona has been getting a lot of credit. I mean, Noah Fafita has been getting a ton of credit, which he deserves. I think Noah Fafita is fantastic. Awesome. Um, but they have also given up 40 points in the last three games. And although the Cougs are one of these teams, so I guess take the ring thing with a grain of salt, but they have played three straight ranked opponents. So, and have held them to 40 in three total games. So they're playing great defense. I think that that gives them the edge against the buffs. Then we will head to, I'll save, I think the most exciting one for last. We're going to head down to the Rose bowl where UCLA will be hosting ASU. Yeah, this is, I'm going to, I'm going to go with UCLA here. I just think they're very too physical up front for ASU. And I think overall, I think it's going to be, it's going to be a low scoring affair. I think. Arizona State certainly stepped up. They didn't have a great week last week against UCLA, but they had a lot of people hurt. I'm going to go and, you know, uh, their quarterback. Oh, my gosh, I forget his name already. Um, he was out last week against Utah. Oh, Trent uh, Borgay. Borgay was out. Yeah, he Borgay yeah. was out the entire game. So I'm going to go with UCLA. Um, Gotcha. Yeah, I'm going to go with UCLA as well. I do think that it would be interesting to look at a minus seven or a plus 17 for ASU. UCLA has not – I mean – I don't know. They haven't really put a team away since Stanford, right? So all that to say, I think UCLA still gets it done. Then we will go to Stanford, Oregon State. Yep. Uh, Oregon State. I have nothing. Yeah, I think I think I don't think we both (laughs) I don't think we both have to struggle to answer that question. Yeah. All right. And then lastly, uh, a 730 kick on Fox. We've got Oregon, USC. The wild at 7.30. Wild it's at 7.30. Absolutely, absolutely ridiculous. But I don't know if there's been a higher quality in terms of, like, the two teams will be playing Pac-12 after dark game in my lifetime. But no. That game, like, I just, I can't wait. With the, I can't wait to see what the Pac-12 after dark element has to do to that game. going to be absolutely ridiculous. I could see it going both ways, too. Like, I could see Caleb Williams just really struggling in Pac-12 after dark but then also could see him just lighting it up and their defense just somehow turning a corner. Like yeah. that would be the most powerful after dark thing ever too, is like their defense sometimes yeah. shows up. But I'm going to go with Oregon with all that said. As, as being a Husky fan, you have to hope USC pulls off a miracle. Oregon's a great team and you'd much rather see USC control their own destiny than Oregon. But I think Oregon's just head and shoulders above USC right now. Agreed. I'm going to go with Josh Pate's favorite team in the country and pick the yeah. They're probably ranked like zero on the Pate. Pate poll. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, there we go. I think you said it all. I mean, I think, I think Oregon, I mean, if Washington, I mean, no disrespect, obviously I think Washington has a ton of talent in the trenches and I think Dylan Johnson is great, but if Washington ran for 300 against USC, I think Trojan fans should be worried about what Becky Irving and Jordan James have coming on Saturday. And I also think USC will score points. 
but I don't think they'll be able to keep up with Oregon. So there you I have completely it. Agree. All right, Jack, completely. we've got some Husky basketball to watch and running out of some time in our zoom recording. So uh, yeah, excited for Husky football and basketball coverage on dogman.com. This is the best place to be. Go dogs. Go dogs. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.